0: I'm Anahi, award-winning U.S. and European certified floral designer, educator, and your host. If you are a florist, flower farmer, business owner, or simply a floral enthusiast, you are in the right place, my friend. I help you by providing insights to industry leaders and mentors through their stories, helpful tips, and tricks so that... You too can take your floral business and design to the next level. I bring you the art and business of flowers. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, my friend. Today's episode is with another full-bloom competition contestant, Adam Glud. If you've seen the show, you know who I'm talking about. If you haven't, I feel like a broken record repeating this, but you gotta watch it. It is so good. I know they're in a process of filming season number two. I cannot wait for it to come out. I can't wait to see who's competing. I'm hoping to see some familiar faces. But for the time being, enjoy my conversation with Adam. I'm hey, Adam. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be on
0: this. I'm very excited. I'm, I'm very excited, first of all, not just because, A, I love the show, and I loved what you did there, and I was really excited to see a familiar face, but you and I got inducted together. So I kind of felt like I was like, Oh, I know him. We're literally next to each other. Yeah. I think you were in front of me, right? Yeah. I think I was. Yeah. So it was kind of funny. I was like, Oh, that's Adam. That's that's great. It was amazing. There's there are a lot of things I want to talk to you about, but I was reading your bio, and one of the things that intrigued me is that you're a chef.
1: I, yes. So I am actually a formally trained chef. And um, so actually before I started into floral design about five years ago, that was sort of the goal, was to work in high-end restaurants mm-hmm. and, you know, do the the whole that whole life. And I think for me, one of the big things that changed was that I had been working in restaurants since I was 14. Right. So that was probably about like 12 years that I was working in that industry. And I got to a point where I wanted to still do a lot of creative works, but I wanted, you know, some different lifestyle options. And, you know, restaurants. They're not easy. Mm-mm. And you know, I, as much as I love them, I, I, I just wanted a different pace of life. And so I really think that flowers and forestry were sort of the perfect middle ground for me to still be able to express that creativity and work with a natural product and use my hands, mm-hmm. but do that I had a little more control in.
0: Right. So it was really a lifestyle change, but did you know you wanted to do flowers, or it just sort of kind of happened and you're like, "Ooh, wait, this might be it." I mean, were you seeking flowers, or did you find the flowers, or they found you?
1: I would say it was sort of a combination. I I would say they they ultimately found me. Going into floral design was never at the forefront of my of my like my brain. And when I actually came out to my family and said that I wanted to be a florist, there was kind of like this silence in the room of like, <laughs> really? And so. Yeah, I always kind of say that my I think my family took it a lot better when I came out as gay than when I came out as a florist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I think for me for the longest time, it was just really this sort of full circle thing. And flowers are something that I grew that I grew up Mm -hmm. with. And my mother had a flower shop of her own when I when I was little. And she has been in the industry for about 40 years now. So that's something that I always have been around and I grew up, you know, as a little kid washing buckets and prepping containers and that whole thing. But I never really thought about flowers until... Um, I was about 21. So I, 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 I'm i not sure exactly the point where that switched over. I think there was a point when I ha- when I did a withdrawal from culinary school where I kind of paused and ended up working for an event production company. Yeah. We were doing mostly like hard good rentals and chairs and things and linens. But they did a little bit of floristry. And uh-huh. from there, I kind of saw, you know, what was possible with flowers.
0: Right. So knowing now that your mom was in in industry, you know, now 40 years, I don't think I would want my child to do this also. So I think I understand when it comes to actual workload of it, you know, you clearly didn't wash enough buckets. (laughs) You just (laughs) went right back into it. It's a a lot of work. It's it's labor of love for sure. Um, But of course, there's the artistry side of things. So to balance that out, you know, is is where the magic comes in, I think. So you work at a shop currently. I see. So what's your role at the shop? What, What exactly do you do? What parts do you handle?
1: Yeah. So right. So currently I'm working with Arts and Flowers Design Studio. It's a sort of retail shop in Minneapolis and I'm one of their lead designers. So we have about um, 12 or 15 or so employees um, on our team and about five or so of us work as designers and about three of us take on weddings and sort of larger okay. events. Myself, the owner of the shop and then um, one of my other coworkers, okay. and. Yeah, so that that's sort of what I do there. But you know, I'm working in every part of it from, you know, doing weddings but um, and meeting with brides to taking on funeral consultations and answering phones and emails. Mm-hmm. So it sounds kind of cool that I get to do sort of high end events. Mm-hmm. Um, I think now too, as florists, we're still answering the phone and like right. talking to so yeah, I get to do I get to do sort of all these different things within floristry, which is nice. Oh,
0: well, that's great. So what has the showdown for you and for the shop that you work. So do clients then come in and you're like, wait, is that that guy from that HBO Max TV show? Are you like the local celebrity now? What's, how does that play out?
1: So I think luckily for me, being on the first season of a pilot series like this, and it being on HBO Max, which is a brand new service that just came out in May, I sort of have. I'm sort of in a sweet spot, right, where I. Got to do this really cool experience, but I still get to, you know, walk around without anybody knowing me. You know, like you look at some of these other reality shows that are more established, Uh that are in number than 10, and then like everybody's watching it. So I think that's one of the beautiful things about this show is that I'm able to um, have done that experience, but still, you know, kind of fly under the radar just a little bit. Mm -hmm. I have had a couple people in the shop sort of recognize it and say that they saw the show and some of our regulars in the shop, which is great. But yeah, I think overall, the experience for me really gave me time and gave me a creative space Mm -hmm. to find and sort of question and discover what my creative angle would be within floristry and I think that is probably one of the biggest takeaways Um, but also you know not just my creative voice in terms of of design but you know how I wanted to come across not just through my designs but sort of behind the scenes how I interact with with my coworkers, you know Um, how I interact with the people in my life as I try to find the balance of pushing my creativity Mm -hmm. and trying, you know, a successful florist, but also, you know, counteracting that with, you know, I'm still trying to be, you know, a good partner and a good friend and all these things. So I think it was just sort of a great way for me to really push myself in finding more balance in my life. And I think
0: that's really rewarding. Interesting. You said that because one thing that Definitely came out of the show that was very apparent is that you played well with everyone, you know, and I, and I don't mean it in like a cliche kind of word, like you were the team player, no, not in this like corporate kind of world, you know, side of things. You actually genuinely made an effort. To be kind, and it was obvious. I think that kind of came through. And I'm not saying that you made an effort; as in, like you know, that wasn't you, and you sort of made that happen. You know, it was. It was kind of nice to see that. You know, we're all in this together, right? Whatever we win or lose or whatever, but it was it, again, it was clear. You know, when you were in charge of whatever you were doing, you know, you were leading. When you had to kind of step back and be to follow, you know, to your team lead, you were as well doing that really well so i manage 13 people so like those kind of things when i look i was like oh that's that's so good those are those are traits that it's really hard to find and it's a really fine balance you know what i mean especially as a creative to step into an arena where you have to have your creative voice to be heard at the same time being in a p- position of like well it is not my vision but i am going to follow this person in execution executing their vision um were there moments where you're like kind of cringing back or you're like oh this is what i really want to do but like i really can't like you know there were moments where i sat back i was like oh what would i do if i if i were in that situation you know so it's just kind of a it was interesting to watch that but how did that all play out for you you know trying to put your own creativity to decide when you were part of a team not necessarily leading
1: I'm glad you brought that up because I think one of the really great ways, one of the really great things about how they formatted this series, Mm -hmm. and for people who haven't watched it yet, the way they go about it is doing a solo individual challenge, and then the top two florists go on to become team leads for the of the team challenge, and so through that process. I was able to work, you know, as team lead, and I think when you're in that position, or when I was in that position, I had a lot of control over right. the direction that things, you know, and that, and that's sort of e- the easy part is when you're in the driver's seat right. because you have to sort of execute your your vision. Right. And I think the challenging part on the show, especially, is being that supporting member of the team because you're still supporting the team leader, but you're also still in it for yourself. I think that when I found myself in those positions, I really tried to find parts of the team challenge or parts of the design that I knew I could execute and things that I could contribute to the team that only I was able to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that came across in ways, um, such as like me being able to be a really quick designer, Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot on a lot of teams, like I was one of the faster designers. Mm-hmm. So I was able to sort of do a lot of the production just to get the bulk of things done, which was which was nice because it's great to feel helpful, but it's also nice to show that to the judges and to your other teammates that, you know, if even even if I don't come off from the solo challenge as a team lead, that I'm still definitely someone to pick to be on your team. Right. And you think that's how I tried to strike that balance between those two roles.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, it was, I mean, there were moments when I was watching, I was like, ooh, whew, that's, that's a tough call. You know, there, there were quite a few of those. Speaking of those, you definitely took risks. I think you may have taken more risks than most on the show, right? And I think everybody took risks. Everybody got pushed Outside of their comfort zone, but specifically your blue-piped tree, <laughs> man. Would you make a different decision? You know, in 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 hindsight, you know, from this place, or would you still can you know do what you did?
1: So I have thought about that tree so many times, and I can't be a lot of sleepless nights. Oh man, as long as enough. it doesn't
0: haunt you, don't 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 go there.
1: <laughs> I I've sort of come to this place where I did what I believed was right at the time right. with what I had to work. Under, under the circumstances and with the team that I had. And at the end of the day, I think I accomplished what I set out to do, right. which was to show something different and to challenge people's perceptions of what floristry is and right. what fine art could be. And I think that design challenged myself and the judges to really kind of dig down and and look at it and and see kind of where my crazy spring was going. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the comments was, and for the listeners who have seen it, was that blue, um, the blue tubing. And I think I'm not sure. I, you know, it's hard to it's hard to say because you know hindsight is always twenty twenty. But in the moment, I don't believe I made the right choice for me. That being said, it is sort of funny some of the decisions you make when there are 20 cameras on you and it's like 106 degrees outside and you're just like a team of two and you're like, oh my God, I think this is right. But, you know, I'm a pretty competent designer, but suddenly I'm not sure about much of anything right now. (laughs) No. So I, I think that I made the right choice because from that, I really learned to go with my gut and really follow through with it and just stand behind what What I did, and I think that's really important. And as designers, and as florists, and even just as artists in general, I think it's important. I think it's very important to make work that comes from a good place and comes from a perspective of you have something to share versus something to prove. Mm -hmm. That is that is something that I really fundamentally believe in. And yeah, I just think that's really important. And if you can sort of design with that intention, um, even if it's not what you had originally thought you wanted you're going to take away something valuable from it
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: and that's kind of where, where I've come to terms with that
0: very well said um for me I think when I watch that I'm like "Ooh, would I make that choice that's that's tough one and you stuck with it you're right and at the end of the day art is very subjective you know it, it, it just is right whatever your vision was perhaps or your interpretation of the vision is not necessarily always what another person perhaps may think so i was kind of happy to see you actually still going through with it honestly um going back to that particular design that foil treatment was absolutely brilliant and i've seen you do this in where was that was it in philadelphia Philadelphia? Philadelphia. yeah okay that's where i saw your design actually for the first time when you did the um the stage presentation for for the world Cup. was it the day before or the day off the announcements? I can't remember. It's all a blur. But I remember that foil <laughs> treatment. I'm like, that is so cool. And then you did it on that tree. And it was just I, – I, I absolutely loved that treatment. I think if anything – is there to take away from this? People think of flowers as flowers in a vase or in some sort of a vessel arranged, and oftentimes we don't think about objects that don't really belong in floristry and just kind of incorporating all of that, right? I mean, I love doing unexpected things, so I thought that was great. So, where did you learn that technique, or did you come up with it yourself? You know, because it seems like it's it's definitely a technique you've used before, and you like it, and. I, I loved it.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Okay, so kind of rewinding a bit. When I used that technique for the first time um, in Philadelphia, I was doing a stage presentation with the FTD World Mm -hmm. Cup. And so AIFD wanted to sponsor some designers who were born outside of the United States and were American designers. And they wanted to have us do some designs, incorporating some heritage elements. And so for me, the foil came from my experience in restaurants. And so, you know, I, I wanted to choose something that was effective, but also one of the most basic sort of materials. Mm-hmm. And so, when it, when we were given that task for the tree, you know, at the time I had a team of two it was myself and Beth O'Reilly, mm-hmm. who's also an AIFD member. And, you know, being in a team of two for, for a challenge like that, in order to transform a tree from basic into sort of a fantasy. I knew I wanted to use my time effectively and covering the whole thing in foil was kind of a great way for me to change the look of something and take it from a tree into something completely just like this you were I wanted to achieve just the silhouette of the tree but then give it sort of a fantastical element and I think that's sort of where that came into play mm-hmm. between the elements of wanting to you know, lean into that fantasy, but also find something that was really quick and effective. So,
0: Well, point taken for the listeners. If you want to, I don't know, think outside of the box, use some foil, wrap some containers and some objects with foil, and just, I mean, I I loved that treatment on the tree silhouette. I thought that was brilliant. I'm still on the fence about the tubing, I have to say. It was so (laughs) striking. But the whole overall, as a fantasy piece, I think it paid off. I think it was a fantasy piece. I mean, that was that yeah. was the goal, right? And yeah, that was, yeah, there's nothing natural about that piece. It was a fantasy piece. That was the goal. You achieved that one, I can say for sure. Yeah.
1: I think that, you know, between that, the tree piece and the suspended piece, there were two places and two challenges in particular where I got a little in my head, mm. Where You know, I think there were a lot of really cool elements. And I think that had I stuck to one technique and then just focused in and softening it with floral, um, it would have been a little more effective. But that being said, in in the time, when you're in that space and you're in that sort of situation, I think that sometimes you make weird choices. (laughs) Yes. No, I, I wanted to show a range. And so between those elements, but then throughout the competition, showing a wide range of design styles, I tried to, you know, I, yeah, that was one of the things that I set out to do was to show a lot of range. And I think I accomplished that. I
0: think you did too. I think you definitely pushed yourself. Now you are an AIFD designer, um, you know, and you did have formal training, you know, right. Prior to that. Do you think that helped you in this competition, or did it become a double-edged sword at times, you know, being trained in a specific direction, per se? You
1: know, I think, ooh, weird. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs>
0: I stomped at him, you
1: guys. I'm choosing my words thoughtfully. <laughs> um, I think that AIFD and uh, any accreditation is really is really incredible, and it's, it provides a great set of knowledge, mm-hmm. and it's sort of a neutral box. But it's important for accreditation and education to be to be used as a tool and not a crutch. Right. And I think that in a lot of ways, it was really helpful. But it, it was a challenge for me sometimes because I looked at the other designers who didn't feel as limited by floral fundamentals. And they just sort of, yeah. yeah. And there, there wasn't this sort of expectation that they had to stay within any sort of box or right. confines elements and principles. And I think that was one of the big things that I took away from the show is um, it's really great to have that, that fundamental technique and education and mm-hmm. those terms, but it's also equally as important to break them and things that, you know, you wouldn't think necessarily go together. Um, so yeah, I, I think for me, it was just a, a big discovery of Of where I I sit on that spectrum. Mm.
0: I personally, from watching the show, not participating, but just from watching the show, I felt like I kind of grew in that respect as well. You know, I am a mechanic Nazi. Like, I can do things (laughs) with my eyes closed mechanically. But that's one side of that, right? That's nice to have the tools, like you said. You know, learn like a pro so you can break like an artist. There you go. So yeah, that was that was sort of one of the things that I actually found myself at times, kind of going back, I'm like, but does it fit into this? And honestly, when it comes to art, it's all about the emotion it exudes. So Oh well, if it doesn't fit within the principles and elements per se by the book, if that makes any sense. So yeah, and I, it was interesting. Yeah. It was an interesting discovery for myself as well, actually.
1: And I think that's one of the great things about this show is that I, I'm really glad that HBO decided to take on a show in this format mm-hmm. because people have preconceived notions of what floristry is, mm-hmm. and I think important for not just other florists who are in the industry but for the average sort of like person at home who may not have you know as much invested into floristry to see that there is such a wide range of things that you can do right. and that there's no right or wrong way to do it as long as it as long as you like it I think at the end of the day Because right. do, do you like it and it, yeah
0: yep that sounds good I mean i you know, I I love the show. I have to say, I am so ecstatic and so happy that there actually is a show about flowers on TV, and it's great. You know, I mean, the Big Flower Fight came out right before that. I don't know if you've seen it or not. Have you seen it? I have seen it. <laughs> what are your thoughts?
1: I think the Big Flower Fight is really important. I think it was great that they that Netflix put that out because I think a lot of people really resonated with that. Um, I I will say that. I am grateful to a bit on HBO Max's full bloom because I think it it's definitely more florists, right. um, florist and focused as opposed to landscape architecture. There were a lot of things that I really liked about the um, the big flower fight, and there were some things I I didn't resonate as much with. Right. But I think um, it was beautifully shot, and it was a really beautiful show to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's sort of my takeaway from.
0: It. Okay. Do you think there might be a third one kind of coming down the pike now that there's this newfound success with both of the shows, I think, Um, you know, I, I love both of them and I agree with you, both have their own place. You know, I didn't necessarily think Big Flower Fight was a floral design competition. It definitely had a direction. It was very specific. You know, they were creating garden sculptures. I mean, it's just what it was. And in that respect, I thought it was fantastic, but it made me so happy that Full Bloom was all about floral design and the educational side of things that was part of that I thought was fantastic. You know, like them kind of shooting little like helpful tips for average person at home who buys flowers from a grocery store, you know. I think at the end of the day, both of those shows are bringing love of flowers right kind of resurrecting this because I feel like they kind of became one of those things that it's like well it's nice to have flowers but do we really have to you know as part of living
1: yeah and so <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because I think one of the best things about well actually for me for the show one of the best things for HBO Max's full bloom was the pandemic ironically <laughs> because filming in the spring and then we had to shut down for COVID mm-hmm. and in the several months during COVID it really gave the producers and storyline editors a chance to watch the big flower fight mm-hmm. and to analyze it and improve upon where they did really well and kind of change directions where they thought it could be improved in areas may, where they didn't particularly um, have you know resonate with mm-hmm. it and so I um, one of the actual biggest differences from when we started filming in spring to when we picked it back up were that they really focused in a lot more on the tips and tricks mm-hmm. and they focused in more on the personal narrative of each designer. Right. So I think that effect, I think it ultimately gave the viewer a lot more to sort of like dig their teeth into. Mm-hmm. Both as like professional florists who want to see sort of something new and innovative, but also for the average flower lover right. who is going to, or, or a, a small flower right. shop and just picking up a, a tulip, you know, and I think there was really something for everyone right. and they didn't.
0: It was a good balance. I agree. I 100% yeah. agree. I was sad that it ended, so I can't wait for the second season.
1: <laughs> I'm so happy that they got the green light to do a second season.
0: I know. Season. I know they're casting it. I'm just like, I cannot wait for it to come out. Yeah. I'm like...
1: Are you did you apply? You know,
0: I did. So here's the funny thing. I applied for the first one too. and that was. I got into, I don't know, I got through three interviews, but I never made it to L.A., And then second time around, I'm like, hmm, fine. I'm going to send the application again. So I'm just going to keep sending it until they get sick of me, call me or tell me like, lady, you're just not going to make it. So just stop, you know, just going to keep doing it. Why the heck not? Come on.
1: (laughs) I think that's, I think that's really important. And I'm glad you said that because I, I've had several florists message me on Instagram being like, I really want to do this, but I'm afraid like, what if they say no? Well, like, you lost nothing. Yeah. I mean, you're already not doing it. So, like, the worst thing that's going to happen is they say, okay, apply next season. Right. And it, I think at the rate they're going, because it's so beautifully shot
0: mm-hmm.
1: and grow in so many different ways, because there are so many other installations and so many other types of designs and challenges that they can pull out, that it's not as if there's a shortage of material for them to work oh, with. Oh, my goodness, no. supply- Yeah. So, my hope and my sort of prediction is that this will go on for a while. Right. And that florists who may not make it onto the season two should reapply for season three and like yeah i i'm just a big believer in just being persistent oh, until you oh, get yeah. me
0: well isn't that oh. i don't know who said this but they uh there's a quote i forgot who said it but it Goes something like the key to success is perseverance. Well, mm-hmm. you know, pretty persistent. So there you go. We'll just go with that, yeah. you know, until it happens. And if it happens, it happens. And you know, and like you said, yes, if you don't apply, and this is for every listener who's thinking about doing this. My God, just just do it. Because if you apply and you don't get selected, you lost nothing. But if you didn't apply, you lost 100 percent of the chance of possibly making it right. So go for it. So Adam, mm-hmm. I know. For sure, it has changed you as a designer, right? I mean, it's, I, I even saw the growth in you as you are sort of going through the, the process and every single contestant, actually, which is kind of really exciting to see. What specifically has changed for you as a designer? Like, what does your design aesthetic look like today, post-show, you know, versus what it did before?
1: You know, I was actually just talking to my partner about this right before I, I joined I logged into this podcast, um, <laughs> and I think you know. I think between being on the show and the pandemic, and sort of the up and down roller coaster of emotions of doing the, being part of the show for twelve months last year, because it was supposed to be a much shorter process, okay. and it ended up being the year. Um, I really think that I'm at a point now where I'm kind of taking a pause. In discovering the answer to that question, I think I am trying to find my balance in in being fulfilled as a floral designer in terms of being able to express myself creatively, or creatively, and doing things that fulfill me as an artist, like I've been doing with you know floral couture, with drag mm-hmm. and burlesque and innovative things like that. But also, at the end of the day, like I still need to produce designs that pay my bills. Of course. And so I think that's the struggle of every artist is to try to find fulfillment in what, you know, puts money in the bank, but also what puts, you know, that same investment in like your creative soul. Mm -hmm. And I've just been sort of taking a little time for myself and kind of pausing on that and finding out what, what that looks like for me. And. I think that is one of the things that that, that's one of the ways that I've grown the most from the show is I think before I would have felt pressured and sort of frazzled just to produce something for the sake of doing it. Mm. And now to a point where I want, I don't really want to produce work unless I feel connected to it and, and unless I'm proud of it. And so I think it's, it's a good idea for me and, and as artists in general, that, you know, um, you kind of do that soul searching and you find things that you want to do, mm-hmm. um, you of it. and you are doing things because you have something to share and not something to prove. Right. I think, I you know, for a lot, a lot of the other contestants on full bloom, um, we sort of have, we, we check in with one another. And that's sort of a feeling that we, a lot of us have is that once you're on something like this, there is that, there's that sort of expectation that you produce something, you know, right. even more, if you know, bigger and grander. And I think a lot of people come to that sort of conclusion that it's okay to take a little pause. It's okay to take a little time. You know, the world's kind of on pause right now, so right. it's a good time for everyone to take a take a breath. But yeah, so there are a couple of projects that I'm working on um, for this year mm-hmm. that I'm about. Um, one of them is a floral fashion show,
0: nice.
1: um, and so I'm I'm doing that as a charity event here in the here in the Twin Cities. Um, and really, you know, I I am just taking this time to go in and create beautiful things at the shop that I'm with. Um, but also I'm taking time at home just to make designs that sort of feed my soul. Mm-hmm. And because I don't want to get to the point where I've, I lose my love and passion for flowers right. because I feel like I produce something. I think it's very it's a very fine line for florists um, to get burnout, yeah. and so I just want to be mindful of that. And I want to keep doing it because I, I love flowers, and I don't. I don't want to sort of taint that with sort mm-hmm. of um, the pleasure to to create.
0: It's funny you're saying that. It's one of the things that I, uh, I've always said and will continue saying. I will never have a flower shop, not because I don't like them. I, I love seeing flower shops everywhere I go when I travel. Well, when I used to travel and hopefully we'll travel again, right? Every mm-hmm. time I see a flower shop, I would walk in because it just make brings me joy. I love it. It makes me happy. But I will never have one because I don't really want to be tied into this nine to five. And doing events and weddings specifically allowed me to essentially sketch my schedule however I want to. And it's like I don't have to say yes to every wedding, right? You know, I mean it's I I totally understand. And I don't I I cannot say that I found that perfect balance quite yet. You know, I feel like it's it's gonna be forever juggle all the time trying to find that balance. But I think being aware of it is probably the key, at least, right? So that you don't go down this road of being burned out because I cannot tell you how many floors I know that are just yeah they're there past there
1: yeah burnout is a common thing that happens in floristry Mm -hmm. and i i don't think a lot of people recognize that because they they see it as this beautiful sort of ethereal thing that we just get to play around Mm -hmm. with flowers you know being that creative and being on that much all the time it takes a toll and i think it's just i think this is a good time for everyone to just take time to pause and figure out what they want to do Um, and there's so many there are so many areas of floral design that exist outside of flower shops absolutely and I think that I I believe that is one thing that full bloom has done a nice job of showing is that there are florists who work outside of a shop mm-hmm. there are florists who do things you know product launches and just events you know like for example Maurice Harris one of the judges mm-hmm. he almost never he pretty much doesn't do weddings right and so I, I don't think he's you know, necessarily met with a bride in a long time. He just does corporate product launches and you know events and things like that. So there is this whole world of floristry outside of what people traditionally think. Right. And I think that's and I think that's great for the average viewer, but I think it's also really inspiring to other florists who are in the industry who may be thinking, "I'm getting a little tired doing what I'm doing, whatever that is." Right. But hey, there's a whole nother avenue, and there are more opportunities, and there are more um, experiences. Even within flowers, then they may have realized.
0: Hundred mm-hmm. percent agree. Absolutely. And especially now it is important to think outside of the box because floristry in its traditional sense, as we all know it, is kind of think of the past a little bit. Even the flower shops, they need to get really well, they those who are making it and making it happen are pushing outside of those boundaries of the traditional, but I'm here, come find me, right? I mean, it's just, I don't know what your flower shop is doing as far as that and during the COVID times, especially, you know, what have you guys implemented that could be useful for some other people perhaps to know?
1: So I would say, first off, I am very grateful and incredibly, yeah, I, I am just incredibly grateful to work for the shop that I do. The owner of the shop, Stephen Ward has done a beautiful job of creating uh, creating the culture of a high-end flower shop, but one that brings in really unique stems and that provides something that you can't get in a grocery store. Mm-hmm. And I that is really a big one for florists who own a brick and mortar is that you are now competing with every chain grocery store in America. You're yeah. I mean, not just competing with the flower shop that's in the, the other flower shop in your town. And so I think um, it's really pressure put pressure on and inspired a lot of florists to get in those more unique stems to get in the, the longer lasting tropicals mm-hmm. to get in the more you know just those types of things but that being said like also i i do believe it has been a little easier on florists to work in a higher end market mm-hmm. high-end retail has maintained um business throughout this time right. i think uh, the segment of, florist, of florists who have been hit the hardest are the ones who are the small shops who cater to, you know, everyday floral for, you know, that that segment of the market, which is so incredibly important. Right. But unfortunately, they're also competing again with grocery store flowers. Right. And so it's really challenging. So I, I think the challenge for them at this point is to create something that's more innovative and sort of more unique, mm-hmm. um, which is ironic yeah. because I think that, that to me is one of the double-edged swords that we talk about um, in terms of like American flower culture.
0: Right.
1: When I went to Amsterdam with my partner a couple of years ago, um, we went there to go to the to see the to see the flower auction and mm. you know to, the flower mecca.
0: Right, I'm so um, jealous. Okay, the bucket list item for me.
1: Yeah, absolutely need to go. Put it on your bucket list. But yeah, I was really surprised that when I was looking for a flower shop. And when I was asking the lo- when I was asking the locals like what the best fl- what the best flower shop was they're like just go to the farmers market mm. and so that is some that is a culture that you know flowers are part of every day there yep. and so they don't really need flower shops to put that together for them because they can just go to the market and do it themselves which is a beautiful thing because that it just becomes more integrated as part of your everyday right but I think Americans are starting to experience that mm-hmm. American florist starting to experience that where it's fantastic that flowers are more accessible every day, but then it puts pressure on us Mm -hmm. as to really go the extra stuff.
0: Right. So then what sets us apart in that sense is the, then the artistry, right? Because everybody can buy uh-huh. flowers at the farmer's market and put in a vase and they're still going to be beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I grew up like that. I am from Armenia and that was sort of part of living for us. We always had flowers in our house. I don't ever remember a day we didn't have fresh flowers in our home um, besides plants and things like that. Um, so it was kind of one of those things that I really miss here. So I still kept doing it because it was just what I know or I knew, so it was mm-hmm. kind of like interesting for me to see that the value of a flower was not as such. At the same time, it also is kind of this cherished item for special events and things like that, you know. But I feel like, uh, you know, about a couple of years ago is when I noticed that a lot of times there were in lieu of flowers, things were happening, and I think that's kind of slowly going away. So part of which is why I was really happy when. Both shows came out, but especially with the full bloom, I'm like, okay, all right, we're, we're, we're swinging the pendulum the other direction. This is good. <laughs> this is a positive change in the right direction. But I do agree with you. I think um, creativity and taking the artistry to the next level is what's going to set the designers apart, not necessarily even the type of flowers, because I was able to get butterfly ranunculus at a grocery store here, you know, which was like shocking, <laughs> absolutely shocking.
1: Yeah. In, uh, five years ago, that wouldn't have.
0: Been oh worse. no, absolutely not. Yeah, and now I mean, you go to Wegmans here; they are selling um, I don't know proteas and every orchid you can mm-hmm. think of. You know, and I'm like, all right, this used to be only wholesale items, and now it's everywhere. So, but I wanna I wanna take a quick segue here. Speaking of proteas, let's talk about <laughs> the queen protea. I wanna I wanna. Yeah. By the way, for the record, when the world opens up. And if we are together at an event, I want to go out with Cream Protea. I just want to say that on the record. There you go.
1: I, yeah. So I've actually thought about um, bringing her along to the next AAFD symposium. Ooh,
0: I'm excited. <laughs> okay. All right. So,
1: yes, what would you like to know? You tell me and I will go with wherever you want to Ooh. go.
0: On this. Well, for starters, why Cream Protea?
1: The name yeah, or? The name. I. Wanted something that was sort of playful and like very on the nose. Okay. And I thought that, you know, I played around with a lot of different floral Mm -hmm. names. And I was like, you know, I really have always loved proteas. And I love sort of like the weird textural, any sort of weird textural flower. And that's sort of why I gravitated towards it. But honestly, it was just sort of, um, (laughs) it wasn't necessarily as thoughtful as some people. I don't have a big... (laughs) I just thought it was a really cute name and it was sort of just something that was very indicative of who she is. Okay. Yeah.
0: So tell me a little bit more about her. What sets her apart? So
1: the reason that I came up with this character, Queen Mm Protea, is because I really wanted to challenge myself and other people's perceptions of what floristry could be. Mm -hmm. So kind of a theme to like my little rebellious (laughs) um, nature. I wanted to find a creative outlet on my own that enabled me to use flowers in my floristry, but really sort of fed my soul creatively. Mm -hmm. And so my partner is a drag queen and burlesque performer. And I have always grown up um, going to drag shows and burlesque events. And I've always had like this envy of, the performers, Mm -hmm. um, was the way I got to do it, but on my own terms. And I wanted to just show that, you know, I, I wanted to show something that that I wasn't seeing, Mm. you know, there are a lot of floral couture items that are really beautiful and there are a lot of really beautiful drag queens, but I don't know a lot of really beautiful drag queens who are using fresh flowers. Mm -hmm. I haven't Um, seen one. Yeah. It's sort of like this, it's sort of ridiculous really Mm -hmm. that like, um, just. Yeah, the whole. I just wanted to create beautiful imagery, and I wanted to. I want to work with more drag queens and more performers, and I thought the best way for me to experience that and to know how to build a better headpiece mm. and how to build effective um, garments mm-hmm. was to put myself in position. And so, all of those things, and it's really been sort of this love child um, and a collaborative project between my partner and myself, mm-hmm. and so. it's... Fed my soul in, in all these different areas. My partner is also a wig maker Ooh. and cosmetologist, So they just opened up their own um hair salon. Oh, that's yeah. So between all of these things, um, you know, we've been collaborating with what the hair looks like and what the makeup plot is mm-hmm. and a fantastical headpiece we can come up with. Mm-hmm. And yeah, thank you. Oh. It's really been fun. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to do something really fun and different. I wanted to do something that you know, maybe inspired a couple people to take up you know something different, whatever their own creative passion project. Right. Was
0: like. Thank you for that. I don't know if you were at the symposium a few years ago when it was in D.C. The last one that was in D.C. I think it was like three years ago, two years ago, three, three years ago, four. Which I don't even know anymore. I you know I don't even know what day of the week it is. So I have to tell you now this. It's been like it's all blurring um, into each other, right? So
1: the days are irrelevant.
0: Right. So a few of us i i don't remember what night it was but somebody decided that we need to go to you know a male strip club yep i said it on on a radio so we're like let's go i've never been to one so so we went so the first floor was a drag show it was my first ever that i've seen i did not want to leave can i just tell you how amazing it was like a the the level of talent that was there, the entertainment, the confidence—just I freaking loved it. Like it was, it was one of the best nights ever. And you know, I, my husband was at the time in Dominican, you know, doing his charity dentistry, and I couldn't go because that was the year that I tested. Oh, that's right, you <laughs> tested that same year then, because we got yeah, to yeah. it together. So, anyways, <laughs> I kept sending him messages. I'm like, guess for it. <laughs> it's like this is amazing anyways but yeah it was I it was just it left such a happy positive mark on me and so I kind of want to do that again. <laughs> Just like I said I'm going to reserve my yeah. right for going out. <laughs> Man,
1: that's one of the things I miss most is going to drag shows. Yeah. Honestly, and like here's the thing: we keep, we keep talking about you know trying to find your voice as a creative artist and trying to find that confidence and what you're passionate about. You want to find somebody who's passionate and confident about their artistry. You go to a drag show.
0: Oh yes.
1: You go to a drag. You go to a drag show.
0: I mean, I was um, amazed and mesmerized by it. I really was. Yeah. There's so much talent. Yeah. It was insane, insane.
1: You cannot go to a show and not leave inspired, right? And I, th- I think that I wanted to pull some of that into into Queen Persia.
0: My, friend, I think you you're doing it really well.
1: Thank you. I'm so sorry. I definitely thought believe that was your first drag show. <laughs> was, can you believe
0: it? I'm like, why? Why didn't I go before? And there were so many times that we've talked about doing it and just didn't. I've seen plenty of burlesque, you know, and I've seen, you know, that there were some drags that are burlesques as well as women. And, you know, I've seen all of that, but specifically drag show, I haven't. And i got to tell you, like, it was one of my favorite things ever to watch. I I was just overjoyed by it. Again, there's a lot of talent, there's a lot of artistry, you know, there's a lot of humor, the confidence that was coming through. It was just there was there's not not a single negative thing that just I can say and that's all sort of what I was left with and I'm like, okay, you know, yes, this is this is amazing. We need more of this in our lives. And looking back at your imagery, trying to portray some of that, I think you're doing it really well. And I'm really excited to see what your fashion show is gonna look like because I bet it's gonna be off the hook.
1: I'm I am thank you. <laughs> I am very excited for this one.
0: I cannot um, wait to see those images. I really can't. Well Adam, this was absolute pleasure really really thank really thank you for your time and you've done an amazing job at the show you know and it was very inspiring to see like i said i can't wait for that fashion to- show to come out i'm really excited to see what that collaboration is going to look like but in parting where can people find you and what would your last um advice would be for someone who perhaps is thinking about auditioning for the show
1: absolutely so i would say you know if you're at all considering going and applying for full bloom, just do it. Do yourself a favor. Um, Don't think about it. Just go for it. And it's going to make you a better designer, whatever the outcome. And I think, um, yeah, just do do something that you're passionate about because people know when that's authentic and people know when you're just trying to pander. Yeah. So I I think that's really important. Um, But as far as seeing what's next, people can follow me on Instagram at Adam Gladue. You can kind of see what I'm up to next and follow sort of, my next creative endeavor. <laughs> Whatever
0: that well, I cannot wait to see more of that. Thanks, Adam. Till we chat again.
1: All right. Thank you so much.
0: I hope you like this episode as much as I really enjoyed chatting with Adam often on air. Honestly, him and I got inducted together into AIFD. And when I saw him competing, I was so excited to follow his journey. And honestly, then sitting down and having a conversation with him, he is a genuinely kind and nice person. It just makes it so much more fun to really uh, and enjoyable really to follow on their journey on competitions when you you know know the person and you know they're just this nice person and really talented and pushing the boundaries and so on so anyways hope you enjoyed the episode hope you've seen the show if you haven't go watch it because season two is being filmed and it's going to come out sometime soon hopefully and uh, that's kind of it you guys i'll see you next time bye well it's a wrap thank you everyone for listening for tuning in to viva la flora live podcast